0: With that said, where we feel or what we've found that actually brings the most compression into some of those timelines is actually on the client side, the things that the client can do to be ready for this project.
1: Welcome to the wrap Resource of as a Podcast. I'm Nick Cressy, Managing Director of Strategic Partnerships, joined by our President Kyle Hall. This podcast will feature conversations with guests ranging from industry thought leaders to private equity operators and technology innovators, all with an aligned focus on delivering business outcomes. Whether you're an operating partner at a private equity firm, a CIO, or other business leader, tune in weekly as we share insights from the expanding playing field of digital transformation.
2: Today, we're joined by one of our own, Kyle Gotsman, Director of Client Services. you know, we don't talk about implementation a ton here, but it's really where the rubber meets the road. We don't talk about it. We mostly just do it. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Kyle runs that team, you know, and it's like I said, it's really where the rubber meets the road, so hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome back to the wrap.
2: Kyle Gotzman,
1: Director of Client Services at Resource. of what's going on, man?: Not much, man. It's a beautiful Monday, so happy happy to be here. It is. Thanks for carving out time again for us. You know, today we're gonna to be talking about something near and dear to your heart, which is implementing the services in which we consult and procure alongside our clients. So I think before we go into anything specific, I would love to just get a just kind of a touch point on what you're seeing in the market, where there's specific heartburn without going too deep, because I think we'll go service by service as we get into it. But are there any type of generic themes that you're seeing right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in in general, that is where I see the most differentiation amongst products, right? And what clients are really looking for. There's there's a ton of different products out there. There's a ton of different people that will that tell you what products you need. Where the magic really happens is the ability to deliver that. And so being experts in, in execution, you know, and I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about how resource it plays into that, and you know what what we do on that team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the first things I say to clients up front, if it's private equity firms, if it's the the end user, the CIO, is look, if there's an implementation, this is going to be challenging, right? And one of the differences between us and and many in this industry is we have a you that actually, we, we don't stop this at uh, the phase three of our process where, okay, a nice source solution signed on the dotted line. We're there to... Ensure that these projects are fully implemented, integrated in to these, these clients' environments and they're using them and they're built properly, et cetera. And, and we know that there's pitfalls around that. So let's just go kind of service by service where you're seeing wins right now, where you're, where you're seeing it getting easier to deploy and where you're seeing, you know, man, we're still in the early innings. This is still really difficult. I'm assuming we're going to get to network where we all know there's some pain points.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, if I could just kind of backstep a little bit on what, what you were saying, I think you, you, it can't be understated in the sense that delivering technology on its best days is challenging, right? And, and, and on its worst days, it's unforgiving. I, I read somewhere, and I, and, I, and I don't remember where it was, but it was something like the effect of 85% of IT or technology delivery projects fail like that's a that's a wild number right like 85% of these things don't actually get implemented or, or go to plan and so i think that that's where you know to your to your point right that the, the resource offers and that actually has a lot of second and third orders effects right so it's not just hey we do everything the same all the way up in two and then deliver on the back end right but, but because we deliver on the back end because we have that implementation expertise that actually creates feedback loops all the way from, you know, our, our engagement team, all the way into the front end sales, all the way into how we position in the market and what we understand about these technologies. You know, and I think that that is really what adds value, not only in implementation, but understanding and helping clients understand what they're about to get into, right? So that they can go in eyes wide open into one of these projects.
1: Well, I think planning with the end in mind in the very beginning of like the inception phase of these projects is really important, because we do know there are folks out there. there are, there are plenty of firms, there are clients out there that just say, "I need this solution. I'm going to make a decision, and it's just I'm putting it off. I'm procrastinating this nightmare that's coming. A lot of what we do is planned for that and looking around the corner beforehand. So not only are we setting the client up for success, but we're also, ideally, Setting your team up for success, so you can actually deliver on timelines and solutions.
0: Yeah, and everybody here knows, you know, the, the the saying that I always use is that you know happiness is measured by the rate at which expectation meets reality, right? So, very simply put, the better that we can set those expectations of this is this is going to be a fight, this is going to be a struggle, this is going to be a project. But we as your partner are here to dive into that with you, to fight alongside you to get this thing implemented. And if clients go into that understanding what it's going to take, how long it's going to take, and the, and the effort involved, you know, we come out the other side of that with a much better client experience than if there's this, you know, the rose petal glasses of sales of, it's all great. You know, Cloud is a magic fix-all butch, you know, button that'll, that'll fix all your woes. SD WAN is a magic fix-all button that'll fix all your woes. Whereas we come in as that true, honest, trusted advisor, right? And that's that's the whole trusted part, is that we are we are going to give it to you straight on what it's going to take and what the real the real benefits are at the other end of this, right? And with that said, right, I mean, we're, we're talking about, hey, this is there's a lot of challenges. This is this is a lot of pain involved in this transformation, but it doesn't make it any less necessary, I think is is a key point, right? Like at some point. Technology changes over. If you look at, you know, a, a predated technology of dial-up, right? At some point, you have to switch your company off of using dial-up internet, right? And that's a that's obviously an extreme example, but that's what you know. These projects are transformational in nature. They're they're how you stay competitive. It's how you stay both in touch with your clients, in touch with your your employees, managing your your distributed workforce is all riding on networking, communications, right? Like those, those two things.
2: Kyle, so when you talk about, you know, happiness and, and its expectations meeting reality, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing right now, which, which are kind of the projects or the technology verticals where those two are furthest apart, you know, based on what you're seeing out there?
0: It can be network, not all the time, right? I mean, and that's, that goes into, you know, how expectation was set, because I don't know that it's any one Vertical that could be worse than the other, depending on what expe- expectation was set, right? And so, network I think is just by baseline some of the most challenging in certain respects. Voice definitely has its nuance as well. There's some long poles in the tent when you talk about porting numbers and LOAs and making sure that you have clean data that you know you don't get port requests that are denied, all that kind of stuff that just messes up your timeline. But network just has so many things. That we take for granted, right? That, that I think a lot of times when clients look at network, they're looking at what they believe to be a commodity. And 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 oftentimes, right, when you think of a circuit, it is somewhat commoditized. But the delivery of that commodity is not how most expectations would be, right? Buying a, a DIA circuit is not like just going to the grocery store and picking up a bar of soap, right? There's a lot more involved. There's a lot more things that happen, and, and each one of those can be a project unto itself, right? So network is is definitely one, right? Understanding that what does an SLA actually mean and what does it not mean? What are the gotcha moments where, you know, yes, they said they could do it. Yes, they say it's serviceable, but understanding what that limitation is if, you know, there still may be construction that's identified post contract. There's 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 all those things that, you know, we as consultants on the resource event know and can bring all that information to the client again so that they're going into these things eyes wide open because the challenge can be where clients and even times carriers will look at the finish line of a signed contract like to them that's the finish line and everybody you know high fives and says we did it we got it there and all the stakeholders start leaving and then it's left to you know a smaller team that's down the the stack if you will right left holding the bag of actually delivering all of these these promises and so under you know helping clients understand like hey the work the work really just started right like we it's great that we drew it up on a whiteboard it's great that you know we've got a contract that that's laid out you know in the military what we'd have is a, a concept of operation we got approval for our for our mission now we've actually got to
2: go on target and, and execute what do you see are some of the biggest challenges that that companies face when they when they dive into these projects
0: again i mean we we've, we've hit on the the expectation piece a bunch i would say limited resources the priorities that they already have, the other projects they have in queue. So they're, they've are they got limited resources, managing a bunch of projects. Between that and then some of its knowledge, right? This is somewhat of a nuanced industry. I'd say some clients and or just in the, across the spectrum, when people look at, oh, I bought an internet circuit. Well, when I moved into my house, buying an internet circuit, in, you know, consisted of calling carrier A saying, hey, I just moved in at, you know, whatever street, they're out there within a day or two install my broadband circuit and it's done right so we we've kind of have that perception of what it takes to deliver a circuit in a b to c ratio but that's not necessarily how it transcribes in b to b so it's it's understanding the difference there and again that nuanced knowledge of what to expect what data is going to be required what resources are going to be required so that you can stay ahead of that it's a little bit of a minefield and part of our expertise and value with our clients is helping them negotiate that, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to take a, a 500, you know, or a, or a Fortune 500 company, IT or to be a technology provider and make it anything other than what it is, right? They are still going to be what they are at the end of the day. But what we can do is help the client understand what that is. And navigate the, the landscape so that they get to the under, you know the other side as unscathed as 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 humanly possible with the with the business goal and objectives that we we set out
2: for. I think that's super important. You know, I mean, a lot of times, and we've and we've done this as well. I mean, sometimes you have to, you know, work with work with providers to get them to change their processes or their methodology for delivering. But I'll tell you, it's never easy to do that. One, it's hard to get them to do it, and two, you've got to consistently manage them because now it's not on autopilot. You know, you're now flying the plane. You built yep. this plane of a process and now you're flying it. And you know, one of the things I see a lot of clients do is they they want to have this provider change their methodology of delivery to suit them. And we do that. And sometimes we do it, but when we do, you've just got to you are now the pilot of that plane. And I think that's that's something that has to be known going into it when you're asking a provider to do something different than what they normally do. You're now flying that plane from a, from a project management perspective. I think the challenge is when you ask providers, hey, can you do this? Yeah, we can do it. What they're not saying is like, yes, we can do it, but that's not how we normally do it. And all our systems and processes internally are going to break doing it that way, which is what they mean when they say yes, but not what they say.
0: Well, and I think, again, the, one of the things that we do on our team on the, on the service delivery side is walk that walk that line, right? Because I think what we've found has been the most beneficial is that, you know, that that bend but don't break methodology where we're going to take what the carrier has as a process and try to bend it to be better optimized, more, you know, more in alignment with what the client needs, but trying to avoid in in some cases, right? Like trying to avoid breaking that process because like you said, then you're owning it and the sustainment, you know, the ability to sustain a broken process over what could be a 9 month to a year long implementation is just never the greatest way to do it if if you can avoid it right so oftentimes that's that's part of what we're doing is because we can see that objectively and i think that this is another part where we really get in and clients really feel the value that we bring to the table is you know you've got you've got carrier who sits on one side and they've just done it the way they've done it and that's what they know how to do right like they're they're just they're in the box and then you've got the client on the other side who is emotionally invested or connected to the outcome of this of this project, right? They've got a lot riding on it as a business. There's a lot of eyes looking at some of these things, and so sometimes that puts them too close to be able to see, you know, these two parties to be able to see what's right in front of them, right? And so having that third party that can sit there and go, "Hey, I've I've worked with all these carriers. I know the game. I know, you know, what can and can't be done. I know what is sustainable what's not sustainable and i also can sit on the side of the client saying like i get what you're doing from a business outcome perspective right that this isn't just in a vacuum hey we're delivering a circuit this is hey we're transforming a network to sustain business operations right which i you know carrier can't always see at the implementation level so we we can bridge that gap of what this means to a client's business and you know how carriers operate and build those kind of bridges that I think provide that value, right? Where you know some things that are that are right, right there. And it's and it's it's an interesting thing to see, you know, in that space where you know we can really, as one of the things I always talk about, is the the concept of with us and 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 without us, right? Like clients can certainly do these projects, and they and they have done them, obviously, but there is a a Noticeable difference of having a partner alongside you that's been down that road a hundred a 1, thousand times before doing exactly what it is that you're trying to do with these carriers and who can truly sit both on your on your side of the table and somewhere in between
2: to bridge that gap that program level kind of vision looking at looking at it holistically sometimes it's even only with only with a single provider, sometimes it's multiple providers in it, but man that that seems to really be missing from the provider side and it's something that clients expect when they're executing you know a larger contract for potentially hundreds of locations and multiple services and it needs to be laid out and all the delivery organized and they execute on that contract holistically they make the assumption which is a reasonable assumption that the provider is going to look at it holistically, but that's not what we see. I mean, very rarely do we see it that way. You know, it's just, I think the the carrier and supplier nature is much more transactional than it is whole, holistic or strategic. It's, it's a really interesting thing that is missing from, from that space. One, Just out of curiosity, what, why do you think that is? Like, why is it such a gap? So I think,
0: again, it's kind of how carriers and how some of the market has chosen to look at these services, right, where it's a transactional sale, it's a commodity, you know, we assign it to a a lower dollar resource, we've looked at it as, oh, the finish line is already, you know, the finish line is the sale, it's kind of an afterthought when it comes to implementation for a lot of companies. And so, I mean, to your point, not not even just across carriers or even across services, right? Like, yes, if we have a carrier that's doing a, a network invoice, voice, they often won't have that programmatic management or, or high-level dependency coordination, but we've seen it even on just one carrier, one service, multiple sites, right? Where those sites, the, the network had dependencies of, hey, we need to do this location or these sets of locations before we do those. And oftentimes what carriers are doing is it, it's a transactional, you know, goes into the system, it automates across, you know, their different portals and and, and systems, gets kicked out to text across the country to, you know, go deliver. But what they're not looking at is, well, if I deliver before, you know, here, before there, I'm gonna start getting billed for something that I can't use because I've got a project dependency. And that's just within network, right? Then you add in, you know, the the voice aspect that says. Well, hey, my current network can't support, you know, can't support the voice that I'm about to try to deliver over a, you know, an internet-based or Vo- posted voice solution. I've got to wait till my new network, my upgraded, refreshed network comes in. Then I can layer in my voice. Well, now you're talking about across what could be two different project managers and totally different teams, even within the same carrier, right? That their voice team is separate from their network team. So having you know, having our team come in and see the big picture and say, well, no, 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 team, you know, we've actually got to combine these and not do it so much in a vacuum where the voice team is looking at the network as the dependencies and the inputs that then feed, you know, actions to output.
1: Not to put you on the spot here, I want to transition a little bit because I'm on the front end of things and I'm talking to folks, oftentimes asking them to you know, kind of let me into their thinking and their roadmap. And what I see time and time again is you really can't talk and you really don't want to be talking anyone into these projects, right? Especially the the in the middle market, in the enterprise, these CIOs are, are typically sophisticated enough to understand when they want to get these projects done. When we're talking timing, actually deploying these services, implementing them, what would you tell, a you know, let's call it north of a 50 location CIO, like, how far out should they be game planning this RFP to ultimately have that end goal of a fully implemented SD-WAN network?
0: How far out should they be planning? So if you're looking at the SD-WAN with the, the actual circuits, right, like deploying the, a network underneath, I'm looking 50 sites, at least, you know, a six to nine month timeframe, and that'll get you probably to 80%, right? Because what's, what's inevitably going to happen is you're gonna have a certain amount of locations that require construction, right? And you won't, you won't really know that till post-contract when they do the site surveys and, and dispatch a tech and realize, oh, hey, yeah, we're, we can deliver here, but somewhere up the stack, we've got a facilities or a capacity issue out of facilities. We've gotta do some type of upgrade or network switch that affects our ability to deliver kind of downriver, if you will, to, to your end location. I would say six to nine months, get you to 80%, and then you'll have a, a couple of stragglers that are, are inevitably just going to take a little bit longer to deal with.
1: Yeah, that seems good. I mean, look, I, I think that sometimes there's this thought that if you if you want to push hard, you can. Like you said, there's some behemoths that we are trying, you know, the AT&Ts, the Verizons of the world, they're going to move at the speed they move. We can lean on them a little, little harder, a little heavier, but at the end of the day, you have to do the planning up front I feel like to make the, make these successful. Let's shift to voice. Let's call it a north of 500 user UCAS. they're they're making that transition maybe from an on-premise Cisco or something like that. How long should they be giving themselves?
0: I would say a good 3 3 to 4 months at least. You know, and again the I think some of the dependencies here there's certainly areas and 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 a you know, con I always talk about this of, you know, there's areas where we can walk, there's areas where we can run and then there's areas where like you can't really affect as much, right? Like things just take what they're going to take. If if there's a construction or some kind of build out, like that carrier probably doesn't have the pull to local municipality permit that needs to get, you know, like that's just going to take what it takes, right? With that said, where we feel or what we've found that actually brings the most compression into some of those timelines is actually on the client side. The things that the client can do to be ready for this project having your Elcon data up to date, ready to go, so that when we go into order provisioning and they start dispatching techs, we actually know what the access hours for your, those sites are. We actually have good Elcon data. So when that tech gets on site and they call, it's not going to someone who's not going to pick up the phone, right? Because then that's a missed, that's a missed dispatch. We've got to reschedule. That's two weeks right there that we just burned. On the voice side, you know, again, we talked about some of the long poles in the tent is... You know, your LOAs and your port requests. Well, the losing carrier has zero incentive to give up those numbers and give up that business. So for any reason, if they can get one more w- month worth of billing out of that client by denying that port request, they absolutely are going to do it. So having that clean data of who's the authorized user and you know some of those things, obviously, this is stuff that our team would walk the client through and, and make sure that they're prepared for. But those are the areas where I think that we get the most compression and, and make up time is making sure that the, it's the client that's actually better prepared, not necessarily or just the carrier.
2: KG, quick question. So you said on, on voice, you know, three or four months. I'm, I'm curious, what do, you, what do you think a provider sales rep says it's going to take? Oh, they, I think they usually say about 30 days, six, yeah. 45. How many of them have you seen delivered in
0: 30 days? I think maybe like a POTS line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it was a, a one-off thing like that, or you know, you got five users and you're you're already on a, a hosted voice platform and you're migrating to another one, you might you might hit 30 days. But if you're uh, you know, if you're an actual mid market or enterprise company, it'll take two weeks just to get a project manager assigned, right? That's gonna go through their order provisioning system, right? Because they're gonna take that contract. Now they've got to go input it into their system that actually builds out the Builds out the official order, gets it assigned to the high-level team, which then kicks it down to assign it to a a PM, right? All that, that's just getting getting to kick off, right? To kick off the project.
2: Yeah. And that's been a lot more challenging, you know, the last six, nine months, just with staff shortages and labor shortages that are out there, which really impact the whole chain, not even just getting a PM assigned, but getting techs on-premise, like all of those things. I mean, it's, you know, there's a there's some challenges even in just the, the hands doing it out there. And that's before you get into any of the equipment and mm-hmm. any of those things. So right on. Well, look, hey, you know, we normally have a couple of questions to get you out of here. I think we've asked you those before on this, but relative to the stock market, I, I just saw, it looks like Twitter is going to accept Elon Musk bid to, to take them over. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm a huge
0: fan for a number of reasons. I think I think Elon in general. I mean, obviously, he's without without being too big of a fanboy, right? I'm not saying that he's he's our, our savior reincarnate, but I do think he's probably the best, if not one of the best entrepreneurs in our in our lifetime, right? Like to really reshape almost every venture that he's done, right? I mean, we talk about what he did with SpaceX. He privatized com- <laughs> the space industry. And did it at a fraction of the cost of what people have been doing for the last half a century. He did things that people literally said, you're you're silly, that can never be done. You'll never be able to reland a rocket. And it's like, well, that 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 cut the cost of his program by, I think, a hundredfold. And then obviously he was successful in that. He redesigned what we look at as what a car is in, in transportation. And then I'm also just a big fan of his general. I think his his general outlook of why he's doing it, right? I think he's he's communicated not really purely a economic play, although he's a he's a businessman, so I'm not so not so naive to think that it's not, you know, it's definitely not going to be a charity, but I think he saw a need in the market to protect freedom of speech and not censor content, which, you know, for for at least for myself as a former former military guy, I I I Absolutely, and that's near and dear to my heart of, of protecting civil liberties. You know, and and when in doubt, let the speech stand. And so I'm I'm a big fan of that.
2: Kyle, thanks for coming, man. Know you pulling you out of the projects that that you're actively running and that your team's actively running is is obviously takes away from from your time. So I guess we'll let you get back to it. And glad to have you on, man.
0: God, appreciate it. Anytime, guys. That's a wrap.
1: Thanks for listening to The RAP Resourceive as a podcast. For more information about Resourceive and how we are creating value for our clients, find us at resourceive.com or reach out to us directly at therap at com.